Guys, welcome back to the Physique Factory podcast. Today we've got a special guest, Ollie Carson. is our business coach and we've learned a lot from him and our coaching service has come on so far ever since joining Supercharge. So, Ollie, do you want to tell us about Supercharge, what you do and who you are? Yeah, man. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. Um, Supercharged is... You know what, you know what, I actually get a little bit embarrassed sometimes talking about mentorship programs because there's so much shit out there, isn't there? And I'm sure we've, uh, we've all been subject to sleazy DMs from business coaches promising the world and all that sort of thing. So, like, I'm almost reluctant to brand myself as a business coach or mentor. I, I hate it. Um, but it, it just kind of came about by chance, really. Um, I was online coaching much like yourselves uh, for many, many years. And when the lockdowns hit, I just... I, I got several messages from coaches that I knew and that I kind of spoke with on social media asking, you know, now that the lockdown's hit, can you help me with systems? Can you help me move clients online? All of that kind of thing. And it, it just kind of naturally progressed to that from there. I just thought, you know, I've got to do something with this. Um, and like the, the original iteration of Supercharge was just this shit. Sorry for the French language there. This Where crap, are you on here? Yeah. Okay, cool. It was this terrible Wix website that I put together that was literally just like, the most ad hoc thing you've ever seen with a couple of training videos on there. Um, and it just grew and grew and grew and, and became what it is today. So yeah, man, it's, it, I'm still kind of wrapping my head around it now, to be honest with you, but yeah, I feel very, very grateful to, to be doing what we're doing. Sweet. How long was your coaching before supercharged? So it depends how you look at it or what you, what you deem the starting point was. I was coaching in the military. I was a physical training instructor in the military for, close to eight years and then left the military, started personal training and was personal training for five or six years. Um, um, and probably three or four of those years were online coaching. And then when the lockdowns hit, that's when Supercharge started. Sweet. So a shitload of experience yeah. then. Yeah, it's quite a lot of experience coaching. I mean, it's, it's funny because like the personal, the, the, the PTI stuff in the military is, is very different to what we're used to in civilian street as personal trainers it's like it's got a lot of structure around it as in in terms of what you deliver how you deliver it is you're not very you're not you know like left to your own devices so to speak so slightly different approach to coaching i guess but it's the same thing right it's still like trying to get the most out of people and trying to help people improve their physicality or whatever it might be so yeah it's probably like 15 years experience or oh, so. okay that's uh that like brings on to the question that me and connor talk a lot about to go online, should you get a lot of experience working one-to-one -one with people first? It's a massive question, man. And like, I, I don't think you have to. I think it's one of those things. It's a nice to have. It's not a need to have. Um, I think coaches that start out in personal training set themselves up for success more with online coaching. They understand how people work. They... They understand how to communicate with clients. There's lots of skills that you pick up even just outside of coaching by being on the shop floor and working with personal training clients that transition really well into online coaching. So no, you, you don't categorically need to start as a PT, but it definitely serves you if you do. I mean, how many shit online coaches do we see on social media yeah. now? Everyone's an um, online coach. Absolutely. Every man and his dog is an online coach. And you guys you know, pay a lot back into your own self-development and, and going on courses like RTS or whatever it is that you do um, to understand these things at a higher level. But, you know, people just don't need to do that now. The, the barrier to entry to online coaching is lower than it's ever been. If you've got an Instagram page and, you know, a, a level three that you can get in a couple of weeks online now, then Bob's your uncle, you're away. And sometimes you don't even need the level three because people are, Let's be honest, people are trading without even the, the basic qualifications that you need, which is pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, another thing is, like, you could look at it from another perspective where there's a lot of coaches and they've done, like, the qualifications, done all the courses, and then they're struggling to pick up online clients, um, even people on the gym floor, and then that's where things like your service comes on, like, supercharged. I mean, it's really, really helped us. Um, I've cut down a lot of PT, took more online, and I've got a lot of more free time, Connor has as well. So that's where we've really improved from it. Yeah, that's 100% that's the other side of the coin is you get the people who are, you know, in the nicest possible way, the geeks, and they've got all the best intentions, right? Because the guys who've got their heads in the tech book, textbooks with training and nutrition and furthering their knowledge in those areas who often neglect like the marketing, the sales, the systems, all that kind of thing, 
I, I like to kind of think of them as the best kept secrets in the industry, you know, because they're phenomenal coaches. And if they're to get their hands on clients, they're going to do a great job with them. But they just don't have the aptitude to pick up clients because they've neglected the marketing and all that, and that kind of thing. There's definitely a balance to be struck. You know, you can go too far either definitely. way, can't you? Um, the coaches who do really well are the coaches like you guys who you understand that you need to know about marketing and sales and so on, but you also understand the importance of, you know, exercise mechanics, you know, extensive nutrition knowledge, all of the things that are going to ultimately get the client the result that they come to you for in the first place. So there, there's a balance to be had. Yeah, it's with those systems as well, and that's what's really improved ever since, like, coming on with you. What, the onboarding process, what you go through with them, even before that, like the sales, when you get a client, what to do with them, because... I was literally doing the, the professionalism. Yeah, that's all, it, isn't it? Yeah. I, yeah. I remember when I first um, started like onboarding people. I was sending out this massive email. It was like, "Hi, welcome to the team. Can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? Food diary, this." And now we've got this nice swift system that like kind of doesn't deliver all that as what at once. It's not this like overwhelming thing, and it's just again professionalism. That's that's all it is. Um, but going back to just what we we're talking about earlier, something I was thinking was like you know obviously. We're talking about do you need that experience in person before you go online just because you have experience in person doesn't necessarily mean it's good experience you could be a shit one-to-one coach yeah. and that experience isn't necessarily it doesn't necessarily mean it's good experience does it no that's a really really good point as well and and that's why i always put caveats in you know i don't think it's a binary thing of like yes or no i think everything's on a sliding scale and like you say yeah you know in-person experience doesn't stand for much if you're gym floor experience is shit you know if you're a terrible coach on the gym floor that's not going to make you a better coach online so yeah it you know and and you'll see you'll find coaches who have moved straight into online and they're phenomenal because they've they've spent a lot of time you know researching these things and and practically applying it with clients so it there's no right or wrong answer i don't think um i just think very generally the standard to becoming a fitness professional is quite low and so you kind of almost have to take it upon yourself to um, build on that and, and develop that if you're, if you're to get ahead. Because ultimately, it all comes down to results, doesn't it? You know, you can be a fantastic marketeer. You can be great at getting clients. But if you're shitting them out the bottom end because you're not delivering on what you say you should, then you're going to quickly get found out, you know. So you need to be... Yeah, there's a lot of things. PTs or online coaches out there where they're just turning over clients, like one in, one out straight away. And that, that's it with the service. and. Yeah. You're not providing what they're yeah. paying for and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. To be fair, there's there's potentially a place for that too, where it's like these people that we're on about, they're generally cheaper, aren't they? So it's like you go in, you get your workout, that's it. You know, there, yeah. there maybe is a place for that in the market as well. It's not. I suppose everything doesn't need to be high ticket, but yeah, I often wonder about that. You see, these guys are they're really busy, but they're just like <laughs> it's like next to no effort that goes into it. Mm-hmm. They they are just a trainer, aren't they? They're not a coach. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like you say, there maybe there is a place for that. I mean, it's certainly not something that we aspire to. You know, we want to be as, as good as we possibly can at everything that we, we do. You know, like there's a saying that how you do anything is how you do everything. Like meaning, like you guys spoke at the beginning, like how you onboard clients, the professionalism, the way that you're giving this information to clients, the way you're delivering the coaching. Like it's all a reflection of you and, and it's an extension of you at the end of the day. That's the cool thing with business, isn't it? It's like an extension of you um so i think why not go above and beyond with those things why not put the extra effort in i just think um if you had to choose am i going to deliver something that's half fast or something that's world class i'm going to go world class every single time you know are you going to deliver an aldi service or a weight rose one don't even talk about aldi on this podcast dude i'm, I'm so done with aldi instagram <laughs> that kind of stuff <laughs> so going, going back to like obviously you were coaching and then you got into the kind of business mentor side of things yep. that wasn't really a conscious like effort from you then it just kind of happened yeah it really really wasn't genuinely wasn't and like i'm sure there'll be people that kind of roll their eyes because i'm sure everybody says something similar to that but it genuinely wasn't um like i say at the time that covid hit I wouldn't say I was well known in coaching, but I was I was online coaching a lot of clients and I was doing well from it and I had a decent following on social media. And so I was always in cahoots and speaking to personal trainers, online coaches on Instagram. And I was always happy to like, if I was using a new system or I had a new way of doing things, I would share it on my stories, more just out of like, 
helping other coaches, not because I had this like long-term plan of becoming a business mentor or anything. And so when the lockdowns hit, like I genuinely just got inundated with messages from guys saying, can you help me set something up online? And after the first sort of five or six helping guys, I thought I've got to do something with this. And so that's just where it, that's where it came from. And I just ran with it, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. So yeah, the early stages were very much just blagging it. Do you think when you were coaching, do you think you preferred the kind of business side of things? I wouldn't say I wouldn't say I preferred it. I feel like I had a nat natural aptitude for it. Um, and like most people, I went through business mentorships myself, you know, I, so I kind of, I, I already had an inside look at what the process typically is, the sort of things that you get taught, you know, how you can help people do it. So I kind of, I kind of had an understanding of how it all works. It's unbelievably fulfilling when it goes well. But by the way, again, like the, the caveat to that is that it has its downsides, you know, like when you work with a personal training or online coaching client and they come to you and they invest in you and they don't get a result, well, then maybe they just haven't lost the amount of weight that they want to lose or, you know, their, their bench press hasn't increased or whatever. But when people put like their eggs in a basket and they invest and they want to make more money or get out of debt or whatever it might be, and they don't, they don't end up achieving that result, then that's, that's a big burden to carry, you know? So, um, not everybody absolutely smashes it all the time. It doesn't yeah, work yeah. that way. So, um, there's, there's you just got to look downsides. at like what they doing and they it's like if someone's following a diet if they don't follow the diet they're not going to get the result or do the training or whatever it's the same thing in terms of like business if they're not following the things set out what to do social I, media or dms they're not going to get to where they want to yeah. do i do I, I do agree with that as well but then also like <clears throat> how much of that earnest is on us as the coach whether that's in a business coaching setting or an online coaching setting like our goal is to get the most yeah, out of people definitely. isn't it know from the way that we communicate with them the resources we give them so regardless of what the outcome is like making more money or dropping weight the earnest on us as the coach is to help them achieve that outcome so there's still that element of like responsibility you know um but yeah 100% get what you mean like it does it does ultimately fall in the lap of the yeah I mean it's that guidance thing is that like we can like guide the client how to get to where they can and provide them with the best tools like for the job and support them all the way but they've still got to put that work in themselves to get there. Yeah, absolutely. Who was it you worked with, Ollie, when you done mentoring? Uh, I did a mentorship with Phil Graham, and I did a mentorship with a guy over in um, uh, Australia, Tacky Moore. Tacky Moore is like... Uh, sorry? I've heard of Phil. I've never heard of the other guy. Yeah, Tacky Moore is... So you probably wouldn't have heard of Tacky Moore, but he is like... I'm almost going to give like insider scoop here into the business mentorship world, but like he is like the top of the tree of mentors. So like everything that he, everything that he does disseminates down into your Phil Graham's me, who, whoever you think of any mentor, they pretty much all go through his program. Um, and then they kind of like repurpose into, into industry specific stuff. So he coaches business coaches essentially. Um, it's about like just like again coaching because we're all generally doing similar things just our own take on that yeah coaching honestly coaching like it's probably a bit airy fairy and if you take this real high level view of it like obviously coaching there's a lot of industry specific stuff like you know how do we program for clients how do we you know what do we do with them nutritionally to get the, the most optimal results whatever it might be like there's obviously very specific things that you need to do with clients to get them a result but on a higher level, coaching is really about changing belief systems. So if you think about a client who comes to you who isn't where they want to be, there's a really good likelihood that they've got a set of belief systems that need changing or need swaying for them to achieve the outcome. So it's like, you know, they currently don't see the value in training progressively or whatever. And so a lot of what you do is about the communication and how you actually convey that message to clients. Like, You'll see coaches who have poor knowledge in, in all the various areas of being a fitness professional, but they're really good at getting through to clients and getting clients to take action and they'll get phenomenal results because of that. So it's the same with business coaching. It's like getting people to change their belief systems and getting people to charge more for their services or put themselves out there with their marketing or whatever it might be. You know, that's, that's like the higher level stuff. Would you say a lot of coaches undercharge? Massively, 
massively. As someone who obviously speaks with heaps of coaches on a daily basis, uh, most coaches are undercharged. Most coaches who join us are undercharge. Like, and it's and actually Gareth from um, uh, Coach Accounts did a post about this the other day, which I think was unbelievably true. Um, people will often say like really arbitrary things like you should charge more, you should charge your value, you should know your worth, but it doesn't, it's not really tangible. Like what is an actual number? I honestly think, and I kind of agree with Gareth, if you're charging under 150 pounds per month now for online coaching services, you are 100% undercharging. I'd even go a step further and say if you're charging under 200 pounds per month at the minute, you're probably undercharging for your online coaching services. So there's probably a lot of coaches maybe listening to this who maybe fall into that bracket and they may be a little bit taken aback by that, but that's just like from what the market is doing and what the norm is, you know, you'd probably be undercharging if, you, if you're below that number. I think, um, I think a lot of that comes from bodybuilding coaching to some degree because nice. I remember talking to someone about like what I was charging and obviously what you kind of suggested we should charge on online coaching and he was like what he's like my bodybuilding coach who's like you know a top a top coach within the industry it's like he he charges that he's like how can you charge that but yeah. you've got to remember with bodybuilding a lot of the time it's like here's your diet here's your training go do it and yeah. you know I'll, I'll get back to you you know yeah. we probably actually offer a lot more value in what we do yeah it's, it's funny, isn't it? It's such a multifaceted problem because one, the, number, the, the a big problem there is it doesn't matter what someone else is charging. That has nothing to do with you. Yeah. And it's very easy for you to put somebody else on a pedestal and go, well, if they're only charging this, then I can only possibly charge that. No, they're undercharging. They should probably be charging more. Um, so it's a big problem that I face with coaches who have coaches when they join and we look at their price points and their offers and, and often leads to increasing their prices, they, they get stuck because the barrier is like, well, my coach is charging me this and they've got their coach on a pedestal. You know, that's why they've invested in them because they think they're this incredible coach. So they, they feel like they, they can't possibly charge more than their own coach. And this is just a massive barrier for people, but it doesn't serve you at all. Do you know what I charged when I first started doing online coaching? Let's have it. 80 pound a month. That, that's normal though, because my my very first coach when I was like twenty and entered the first bodybuilding show, it was just someone random at the gym, and he was the same price. He was literally like this forty year old guy who was massive, and he was like, "Oh yeah, just eighty pound a month." And literally, I gave him cash each month when I saw him. <laughs> Sick. And what did you what did you get? Did you get just like a probably like that was a WhatsApp it. message and or maybe like a program on app yeah so WhatsApp, like WhatsApp message like it copied and pasted and someone else who trained in that gym yeah uh, was coach shopping was like oh let's see your diet plan <laughs> exactly the same exactly the same exactly the same yeah and do you know yeah, what it's, it's funny though isn't it because like when you talk about pricing and like value and stuff because price and value are two different things price is what you pay value is what you get so when you're pricing your services you should really think about the value, you know? So like, what is somebody going to get if they, if they come into my service, what are they going to get as an outcome and, and how should I value that? And it's often a lot lighter, a lot higher than what you price yourself. If you price yourself, you think about the tangible things. So if you look at that, if you look at that bodybuilding coach in your gym, for example, if you were pricing it based on the tangibles, like a copy and paste message, a copy and paste diet plan, £80 a month sounds about right. Maybe not even £80 a month. But the value is, is that you probably got a mega nick for your show. You probably, it may, maybe have not been the most smooth comp prep, but you probably got to the end and thought, wow, I'm, I'm in mega shape. This is great. And so the value is probably actually higher. So, you know, it's a funny, it's a funny thing, you know, like pricing your services, etc. And there's a lot of comparison that goes on. We often always look to like top coaches in the industry and think, well, what are they charging? I can't. You know, I need to be below that or they're delivering this and I'm only delivering this. So I can't possibly charge that much, but it's all irrelevant. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. And the sooner you can push that to one side, the better. When you're charging that little as well, people do not stick to it. They don't value it. hundred percent. No skin in the game. Uh, you get those energy vampires. There's that saying, and it's, it's kind of true. People who pay the least expect the most. I don't know if you've ever noticed it but when you were like first starting out. You know, you're charging someone 80 quid a month and they're texting you all hours of the night. You know, they want constant tweaks to their diet plan and all this kind of stuff. Um, you get a different kind of client when you charge more for your services. 
are typically more relaxed. They have more skin in the game, so they check in on time. They follow the plan to the T because they've invested in it. They ask questions. They're inquisitive. They respect you. They respect your business. So, you know, a lot of positive things come from increasing your prices. Um, but there's a big mental barrier in the first place to getting it done. Definitely. I've noticed a, a big difference as well. Like, um, I always offer, like, if you want to pay up front for four months or whatever, yeah. um, I always offer that to them. And the people that actually pay up front as well, I think they've, they give even more commitment a lot of the time because it's, I suppose, you're still going to pay it over time, but it feels like there's more skin in the game when you're handing yeah. over a big chunk of money, aren't you? Yeah, 100%. It's like, this isn't rocket science, this stuff. You, you only have to think about your own experiences as a consumer. Like, I often use an example when I'm asking coaches to increase their prices. Like, we've all got more than one pair of shoes, okay? So, we typically, we'll have a crap pair of shoes and we'll have a decent pair of shoes. If you're going for a walk in the woods, let's say you've got to take your dogs for, the walk, for a walk and it's been raining and it's muddy and your shoes are going to get trashed, do you put on your all singing, all dancing Gucci shoes or do you put on your cheap, nasty pair? You put on your cheap, nasty pair. So despite the fact that both shoes do the same thing, okay, they go on your feet and they stop your feet from getting wet and they, they protect your feet, both shoes are probably made from the same material. In some instances, they might even be made in the same factory. The price that you pay for the shoes determines how much you value and look after them. And it's the same with like our services. You know, When you undercharge, people, like you say, they don't have skin in the game and they don't actually do the things that they need to do to get the results. So yeah. Definitely. So um. With like with being in the fitness industry and things like that, and um, personal training and coaching, I think a lot of time people out with the industry are kind of like, you know, what is it you actually do? What kind of job is that? But um, something I wanted to ask you because you'll have a lot more insight than than myself or James will is what's actually possible for a coach in terms of like finances? Like what what is like some of the craziest things you've seen from coaches? Man, I mean, I don't want to give exact numbers because I don't want to like, but I mean. Like there's, there's one coach in particular, I don't want to say his name because I don't want to divert any negative attention to him or because by the way, what he does is phenomenal. Um, but I know coaches that you, a lot of people listening to this will never even have heard of. And, you know, they've got 150 clients paying them 500 pounds per month. It's crazy. So that's crazy. That's quick maths, you know, and it's, yeah, and I'm not, I'm not exaggerating, and that's without paid advertising, that's, out, that's without a huge social media following. And this, by the way, I have to, to put on record, this isn't someone that I mentor, this is just someone that I know in the industry. Um, but we've got people in the group who are doing £30,000 a month, £40,000 per month in some, in some rare occasions when they have busy months. So you, you can achieve a lot from a, from a coaching business. Um, I think a lot of it is you know, the six inches between your two ears, a lot of the, the friction that you face is like your mindset. I know that sounds like, a, again, a really airy-fairy thing to say, um, but increasing prices, being audacious with your marketing, being a bit ruthless, not ruthless, but being a bit of a, a weapon on sales calls, it requires quite a resilient mindset, you know, and, and not everybody has that, and that's, that's absolutely cool. You can still run a really great coaching business without having those things, you know. Definitely. It's definitely a... You know, I, I think most coaches make a, a decent living, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like even, you know, uh, I don't want to use derogatory terms, but even a coach who's m maybe not absolutely smashing it, they're still probably getting paid way more than the average employ employee at a, a typical yeah. office job or whatever, aren't they? You know, yeah. and they're doing something that they're probably passionate about. Um, I think this is something that we need to talk about more is like, what is fulfillment to you? because you can get so wrapped up in chasing these big financial numbers, these monthly targets that you set, set for yourself, usually the, these arbitrary numbers that you see on social media, but actually- Always, always 10K, isn't it? Always 10K, always 10K a month. Like where the fuck did that number come from? But then it's like, well, actually, you know, if I'm getting up and I'm going for a walk, listening to a podcast, um, doing some client work, going training at the gym, coming back from, from the gym, doing a social media post, and then maybe doing a bit more client work and then chilling with my family for the rest of the afternoon slash evening. Mate, that's, that's the goal, you know, like that. You need to, sometimes you just need to like take stock and go, actually, I'm living my best life right now. I might not be making this arbitrary 10,000 pounds per month, but this is pretty cool, you know. 
Yeah, definitely. It's like you could you could maybe go to the next level, but is it worth it in terms of the mm. the work you need to put in and probably the stress that comes with it? Yeah, absolutely. Everything's at the expense of what you know. That's the kind of question you need to ask yourself whenever you you pursue new things. It's like, well, at the expense of what? There's that kind of um, that like proverb of the, the the guy who's the Mexican guy who's a fisherman, and he goes out on his boat and and he catches a couple of fish and then he comes back in the early afternoon he sits and drinks beer on his veranda all day with his family and the big american comes in and he's like no you need to get more boats and get people working for you you need to create this massive corporation you need to be going out and then when you make a multi-million pound company you can then sell it and then you can retire and you can sit on the beach and you can drink beer whenever you want it's like i'm doing that now you know i'm i'm literally coming back in the afternoon i'm having a beer now i'm, I'm good so you just need to think like well what am i actually pursuing here and can I not have a slice of that right here and right now? For a lot of coaches, they really can. Um, maybe you have to be a bit more ruthless with things like PT hours. But other than that, like you're, you're close to... I think it's that progress thing because you're always chasing like what's next and how can you improve. There's always that drive, isn't there? Mm, there is. And I think a lot of that is like social media driven. Mm. It's keeping up with the Joneses. It's this like competitive nature, which is fine. I think that's innate, especially in men. But um, again, like you have to just be honest with yourself, like what are you doing it for? Are you doing it to keep up with other people's supposed success or, are you, or do you actually want to progress in those areas? Because, you know, it, everything is at the expense of something once again, you know, so you just got to be really, really mindful that you don't get sucked into chasing arbitrary things for no reason. James and I just end up chasing the money to pay for the next course. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, that's an expensive vice to have, to be fair, but it, it's going to come back and pay you in dividends, you know, you know, yeah. this is like the, the, the knowledge that you guys gain from doing those courses equates to better results for your clients. Means you I think you've, you've got to watch with them is um, like in terms of like studying and doing courses, like is that you don't end up actually just paying to do things that are just for your own interest and don't actually help your clients. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think especially with, as you go down that rabbit hole and it becomes more advanced. I mean, I don't know where, where are you guys at with RTS now? Are you yeah, it's deep. I think the next one is we'll go into Oklahoma next year to do the mastery stuff. So it's um, that's that's pretty much the last one. That's what Paul Standall did, wasn't it? So yeah, but that's so that's where you kind of start looking down the route of well, actually. This is now where you're going to start positioning yourself to help other coaches, presumably, you know, whether oh, that's definitely your is. peripheral vision or not, but that's kind of where it's going. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's when cool. it gets yeah. to that level, that's what it is, isn't it? It's more like that that's not applicable to your like kind of what we call gen pop clients. That's mm -hmm. more applicable to people that are more advanced and maybe coaches themselves. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's like one of those things like, you know, you could be with like some people will say, what should I do first? Should I, you know, build up the knowledge or should I do the business coaching side of things? And you should probably have probably a, a good split of that. I would say like yeah. personally, having been through the process, I would say definitely do something in terms of business mentoring because um, it's just, yeah, it's taught us a lot that you don't get taught when you do your level three PT yeah. and stuff about running a business. And I've, I've actually definitely seen a, a, an increase on in, in income with it as well. And even yeah. like, November, December in particular was probably the least PT I'd done like in terms of hours, but the most money I'd ever made in terms of yeah. for that month or those months. So yeah, um, there's definitely like not not that that's always the goal, but you know what I mean. Like it was kind of part of the goal for me anyway. So yeah, yeah sure. And there's nothing wrong with that as well. We're we're often always quick to like shun that. You know, as soon as as soon as finances come into it, it's like oh I made loads of money, and instead of like just owning that and being unbelievably proud of that. We're, we're often quite quick to downplay it and go, oh, no, no, that's important, you know, and everyone does that, by the way. But there's nothing, there's no shame in that. There's nothing wrong in being proud of the fact that you had some great months. Um, that's what you were hoping to do and that's what you did, you know. And like back to your point of what comes first, is it education or is it, or is it like business coaching? Like I would be an absolute charlatan if I didn't say it was education because you can't polish a turd, right? Like yeah. if somebody comes through, we have prerequisite require, requirements before somebody comes on board for supercharge. Like, have you got 10 or more clients that are currently getting results? Because that's a really good baseline indicator of if someone can do the job. But if someone comes through and they're an absolutely dog shit coach, well, I'm not gonna get them 10 more clients at a higher price point for them to just shit them out the bottom end. 
you need to be a good coach first. Um, that's certainly the way that I did it. You know, back in the day, the, the courses available, I did uh, Lift the Bar, Shredded by Science, Mac Nutrition Uni. Um, but this is years and years ago. Now you've got, you know, I know RTS has been around for years. I had no idea what it was. Otherwise, I certainly would have done it. Um, but yeah, like you, you do need to be a good coach first. That has to be put on paper. You know, yeah, it's, it's a non-negotiable. But I, th I think it comes to a point where it would definitely do a lot of people some good to learn this business side of things. I suppose that's yeah. what I was trying to say there. Yeah, um, absolutely. absolutely. Right. Yeah, certainly. Um, so with like the fitness industry right now and with people that you work with, what would you say is the biggest mistake you see people making right now? Uh, it's, it's difficult as well because I don't want to trip myself up because obviously a lot of what I do is teaching people on mass, but a lot of like copying and, and imitation and I get it because there's like social media trends and you almost have to play to like, you know, what the done thing is on social media so that you can hack the algorithm and more people see your content. But like this, like the whole thing, uh, actually, have you got, you guys haven't done any Audi no. high protein posts no. yet, have you? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't see it so like, so that sort of thing, like, I, I, like I kind of get it, but I just think you're literally doing it because every other coach has done it. But if you if you unpack why you make social media content, it's it's ultimately to attract clients, right? And then when you think about well, how do we attract clients in a busy, crowded marketplace with other personal trainers, online coaches? The answer is absolutely not to copy every other coach, because how many people are watching that video and go, wow? How would he do high protein yogurts? I'm going to sign up with this guy. It just doesn't happen, you know. So, like, the, that's probably the biggest mistake is just um, over copying other people in the industry and and not finding their own voice and not being afraid to to just put your own spin on things. Like you guys have started doing it really well recently. James, in particular, you've done it really well with your your reels where you're happy to like show your personality and slag things off and say things that you don't agree with and talk about like fucking gurus sliding into your DMs and stuff like that, because those are the things that are gonna, people are gonna resonate with and they're gonna be like, yeah, that strikes a chord with me. And people aren't gonna sign up with you just on your coaching prowess. It's like, would they get on with you? And how do people know they're gonna get on with you if you're exactly. not showing your personality on social media? So you, you do need to do that. Definitely. Sometimes, um, you know, it can be difficult to like to share your opinion in the sense of like, you're thinking, what sort of reaction is this going to get? Yeah. Like, if I actually speak my true mind here, what, what sort of reaction is this going to get? So I, I can see where the barrier is there for people, but at the same time, like, yeah, you need to stand out. Like, that the whole Aldi protein hack thing, I mean, I, I've lost count of how many times I've seen that. <laughs> no, no, it's the same shit every time as well. But that's, that's part of the comfort in it as well, isn't it? It's because, you know, as you just said there, Connor, dude, it's like one of the big things that stops people from being truly their authentic self is the fear of judgment, fear of backlash, whatever it might be. And then the, the opposite of that is conforming to what everyone else is doing because you know there's security in that. If, well, like, if every other coach is doing this, then that's safe, you know? Yeah. I don't know if that's the exact reason that they do it, but yeah, like all I can say is, is if you think about the most controversial people on the internet and think about some of the things that they say I'm not imploring that you go and emulate that, but what I'm saying is if they can get away with some of the stuff that they're saying and you're probably not going to be half as outlandish as those people, then you'll probably be fine. You know, So don't be afraid to share opinions and, and voice your, your true thoughts on things because that's the thing that will strike a chord. I think most of it's just like mindless though, exactly. isn't it? Where it's just copy-paste. You don't have to think about making a post or any content. It's just to took something from there, made it their own and what they tried to... Mm. And again, that's not their personality yeah. at all. No, absolutely. Um, I spent um, spent two hours making a post yesterday, but like when you actually spend that time and something, I've kind of reframed my mindset a little bit too on it. Um, I'm always thinking, now, does this actually help anyone, or is this mm. just pointless information? And when you combine that, you know, put the time in to something that's going to help people. Like mm. that post I put out yesterday has probably done the best out of any post I've done in a long, long time. Just yeah. between the effort and actual useful advice you can implement yeah um, something i noticed yesterday as well is um so i've been posting onto youtube as well i've been putting my reels onto youtube onto youtube shorts right yeah and i've heard people say before it's not the algorithms it's your content that's shit but i just i disagree with that because i've been putting these reels on youtube and they're getting thousands and thousands of views which they wouldn't usually 
But then I put that one on yesterday and it didn't come up as a short. It came up as a video because it was like over a minute long. Zero views. So the algorithms definitely play a role. What would you say in that, Ollie? They, they, the algorithms do play a role. And on the YouTube thing, like every coach listening to this should be uploading their content to YouTube Shorts, Facebook Reels, and TikTok. But in particular, YouTube. Like the fact that you guys record this podcast in video format is unreal. So hope you, hopefully you upload this to YouTube as well. You do as yeah. a long form video. Yeah. Because like, so YouTube works off SEO as well as like an algorithm with shorts. So SEO meaning that you create a piece of content and you upload it with keywords in the title, in the description, all that kind of thing. And your content can be found a year, two years, three years down the line from now and still be getting views, still getting new traffic, still adding value, still nurturing your audience versus you posting a reel on Instagram, it being in the feed for a couple of hours and then disappearing onto your page. Like the likelihood of people scrolling through your page and reconsuming old content of yours is very, very slim unless somebody's about to make a purchasing decision. So YouTube is amazing for that because your content just works harder for you. So yeah, the, like YouTube is massive for that sort of thing. But you, you're right; like algorithm does play a role for sure. I did um, I did a post years ago on YouTube of me using like a hip thrust machine in the gym, and it's to be honest, it's a shit video. It's just me mm -hmm. saying, "Here's how you use it. Here's how you adjust it." I didn't really know what I was talking about at the time either. I just kind of talked people through it. I put it up, and it got like ten views, and then like a year later. It got like 3,000 views out of nowhere. And the next thing it's up to four and you're like, what the fuck? It's, it's yeah. weird. Yeah. But as you say, it's, it's still working for me all, all these years later. Mm. Yeah, it just makes more sense. Like if I was going to, and I have started to do it now because of this exact conversation, like internal conversation I've had, like if I'm going to produce content, where am I going to get the most bang for my buck? YouTube and podcast is absolutely that. Like you can record the, the podcast as a video, upload it to YouTube, take the snippets for your reels or your shorts or whatever. And it's like one piece of content that goes infinitely further than producing loads and loads of specific things for Instagram. I think podcasts are definitely underrated because um, like I know, so it was actually James that suggested working with you. It was him that brought up the idea of you. And um, so I've, I've done a little bit of research into you and what I've done was listen to every podcast that you'd had. And then you yeah. feel like you get, a, you, you get a feel for someone, don't you? You feel like you yes. get to know them. Absolutely. The, the, thing, the best thing about podcasts, especially for PTs, well, not just for PTs, for, but for anyone who's selling a service, is that because it's longer form content, it's, it's way more candid. So if you think about like what works on an, an Instagram reel or a TikTok now, it's like short, snappy, to the point, like you've got 30 seconds to get the hook in, explain what you're going to say, otherwise you've lost their attention and they've scrolled on. But that doesn't really give you an opportunity to be your true self again and as we spoke about like the personality element is massive so with a podcast we can sit and record for 30 minutes or whatever and you can actually get a sense for who the person is um, because it's a much slower more candid conversation so yeah podcasts are massive for coaches but not not enough coaches do it so it's awesome that you guys are doing this yeah so it's, it's really really big it's a confidence thing again isn't it for a lot of coaches it's, well, I mean, what? so this would be interesting to, to hear. Um, if you had to kind of compartmentalize what the biggest barriers were for you starting the podcast. I think like, it's the, the face-to-camera stuff or even just talking to a camera in general. But then the more I've done it, yeah. the more experience I've got, the easier yeah. it gets. And I can literally just rattle things off to a camera now. I don't really have to think. Obviously, yeah. but I've been doing a post or a reel. I still have to script things down to make sure it's in order and the structure to it. Yeah. But it's so easy. I don't like follow myself for and sure. keep going and it's a it comes out a lot better yeah yeah confidence to start so that's a that's a big one and for you Connor probably like you say the same sort of thing or like fear of judgment yeah like I don't know whether I would have done it as quickly if I'd done it by myself as well I think having like me and James doing this together kind of gave me that confidence too but like I don't know it's hard to remember because now I'm at the stage like I, I actually don't give a fuck what I put out there I know some of the things I'm going to say I'm going to listen back to in the future and I'm like yeah I'm wrong about that but I, I can accept that I'm not afraid yeah. to be wrong so like yeah I'm very much past that but like the only way to get past that is to start by doing it yeah it's, it's funny isn't it because sometimes the the poison is the antidote or vice versa you know like the thing that's stopping you from getting started is the very thing that you need to do um, but yeah it, like doing it in a pair is great. I, I actually had my first podcast with my then business partner and friend, Adam Boyd Brown, 
years ago. You're like, podcasts are unbelievably popular now, but I'm talking like seven years ago. To give you context, we had a, um, a podcast on training and nutrition. It's called Team No Carbs Radio. And there were that few podcasts that like us two, these two fuckwits who like literally were just blagging it. Uh, we were fifth in the health and fitness charts in, on Apple Podcasts. So like it just goes to show how popular it's got now and how difficult it would be to break the top 50 or the top 100 even. Um, yeah. But yeah, like you just have to try these things and explore them. You know, like the, the fear of judgment is usually the biggest thing that stops people from, from trying. But no one, do, do no you think one, a lot of people struggle with that? Massively, massively. It's like, it's one of the biggest things that stops people from taking action on anything. It's like, what if someone thinks this? Or what if I look like a dickhead? Or what if I say something stupid? But the reality is that people are so wrapped up in their own little worlds. Everyone's so self-absorbed in their own shit that nobody even really cares, you know? No one cares. That's it. And I think, like, sometimes you maybe hold, like, like we were saying earlier, you hold other people on a pedestal as well, and you kind of say... Oh, they know a lot more than me, so what if they listen to it and what will they think of it? Um, and it's just, again, it's one of those things, you've, you've just got to make a start and accept that you might be wrong sometimes and people yeah. might not like what you've got to say sometimes, people might not like you and that's that's just life though, isn't it? Absolutely. You can't please all those people all the time, can you? Yeah, exactly. Um, it's kind of going off the subject, but like you're obviously mentioning, um, what was it, Adam that um, used to be your business partner. He's yeah. obviously on some of the supercharged videos. And something I meant to mention yeah. earlier, what I liked about supercharged is the fact there's the coaching knowledge section. It's not just business, business, business. You've actually yeah. got a section on coaching knowledge. So yeah. that was, that was um, a, a nice kind of welcome surprise. That. Do, do you think a lot of business mentors do that? Or is that just something maybe exclusive sure. to yourself? I'm not sure. I didn't notice it. And this isn't to discredit anyone, by the way. Phil, Phil's phenomenal. I didn't, but I didn't notice it in Phil's mentorship, or at least I didn't go actively. I was very much a coach when I was coaching that I, like you guys, invested in courses and, and that kind of thing anyway. So I probably found my knowledge and resources in those areas rather than like in a business mentorship. So perhaps I didn't look for it, yeah. but I didn't notice it in there. Um, I don't know if it's the done thing or not, but I think it's an unbelievably important part of a mentorship, you know, going back to that saying, you can't polish a turd, you know, if you can get someone clients, great, but can they actually deliver the result? That's, that's got to be a big, important part of the process. Like we've got the in-person event coming up in April. The PT project guys are going to come there. I'm sure once you guys are qualified and you've gone to Oklahoma, we can have you guys come and do it. That'd be awesome. Um, but yes, yeah, Lots of learning to do, yeah. But yeah, so Paul's coming and, and James Sutton's coming and delivering some pieces on that. So it's a, it is an important part of develop, developing people's businesses, making sure you're actually sharpening the tools, you know, the things that you deliver your coaching with. Yeah. Tell, tell us a bit more about these like events you put on, Ollie, because like, I've watched a lot of the videos from them and they, they look great. And again, it's probably something I've not seen a lot of other people doing. I think it's, I think they're really, really useful more than anything. It's like, you know, we live in a, a very much a digital world and it's amazing because like we can have this chat now as a three on Riverside and it's, it's epic, but when you get people in a room, it's just different, you know? And so I really, really implore you guys to come try and come to the next event if you we, can. We looked at your last better. one and I looked at the location and like, bear in mind I'm in Scotland. I was like, fuck that, that's yeah. miles away. Yeah. Well, this yeah. is in Birmingham, this one, for that very reason, because I, I was a little bit selfish in previous events, having them all down south, but this one's in Birmingham, so we're yeah, coming nice. up the road a little bit. Um, but yeah, like when you get everyone in a room, it's just, it's just a different gravy, you know, call it energy, call it whatever you want to call it, but it, it just feels different. Um, there's great networking. Um, I think you're far more in tune and you, you pay attention more and you action more when you're there in person. I don't know if you've noticed that when you do your RTS remote learning and when you do your in-person days, do you feel like you take away more from the in-person Yeah, I mean, it's more that's it's more applicable stuff because you, you um, can see it like with your own eyes and how it's done and rather yeah. than on like a screen. So it, that's got its place as well. But I think the in-person yeah. stuff, it just you can't beat that. Mm. Yeah, you can't. You can't, man. And... So that's why that's why we do it really and it's just to make the the thing tangible like we've got this amazing community and people are always quick to help each other but it's good to get everyone in a room and let people chat on the breaks and you know build relationships so it's yeah they're mega i love them they cost us a lot of money but it's worth every single penny to run them for example it's like you know 
doing so supercharged obviously mostly online you do have the calls and things like that but yeah. you don't so much speak to the other people in those calls and when we're talking earlier about what's kind of possible for a fitness professional at the minute it's like if you're sat next to the guy that's making 30 grand a month and you say oh just you know what are you doing at the minute and he says that you're yeah. like shit here's a guy right here that's that's making 30 grand a month and it begins to open your eyes to what's possible for you Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's called just humanizing people because again, like that whole thing we've said a few times, but putting people on a pedestal, when you sit next to someone who's actually doing the thing that you aspire to do and you realize they're the same as you and you know, there's not really much special about that person. They've just maybe taken this risk or done this thing. It's a really, really powerful thing. Everyone comes away from the in-person events, like unbelievably motivated, if nothing else. Even if they don't pick up a single new thing that they're going to go run away and do, they come away motivated and inspired and they work their asses off for the next few weeks, which often is a... To be honest, um, that's, that's why I come to the Monday morning and momentum calls when I can, because that inspires me. Even just hearing other people like, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm like, right, okay, I need to do more. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it does make and a big difference. The ideas that come from it as well. Someone says, you know, I'm doing this and it's working really well. I'm like, oh shit, yeah, I'm going to yeah. try that. No, no one person is smarter than everyone. That's one of my favorite things about the group element of anything. So again, you'll have it in your groups, you know, when you're doing a further education, like you get insights from other, it's not usually just the educator or the coach or the mentor or whatever, it's everyone else in the community that are living and breathing it as well. We've all got something to add. Um, so yeah, we're no, actually no, in a, no. we're on a course at the minute that um, Paul's on, you know, Paul Standell. Yeah. And I think uh, sometimes when Paul talks, <laughs> he you takes over a bit, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> he's a chief waffler. But it's good because, as you say, you've got that insight from all these other people as well. But um, I think, like going back to what you said as well, when we went onto that course, and I've said it on this podcast before, I felt like we were kind of bottom of the pile because I'm like, oh look, there's so and so from M10. There's you know Paul Standell who teaches this stuff there's so and so and then um, once you're actually in the group and you're with these other people you're like wait a minute you know when they get asked a question they're kind of going uh, uh you know they're they're yeah. the same this they're not maybe on the same level as you but they're still they're still human like you say did i break up there yeah just a, only a little bit there you said they're not on the same level and then it came back <laughs> but they're still human is what i was saying yeah yeah yeah, yeah absolutely yeah um Again, it's that that thing of like we often just put a shrine on people, don't we? Unnecessarily, you know, we're all we're all kind of doing our best and working toward things, um, yeah. uh, which is a massive one when it comes to like your prices, etc. Like, don't price your products based on what somebody else is doing because you think that they're this amazing, glorious coach. The reality is, is that you're probably as good, if not better, than them. You know, that's it. And different people have different strengths, of course, as well. Um, so. To kind of wrap this up and not take up too much of your time, Ollie, what's one thing that any coach or anyone that owns a business really that's listening to this can take away from it? Um, I would what, say... What piece of advice could you give them? I would say, like, a lot of it is getting out of your own way. I know that sounds, again, it sounds like an arbitrary thing. It's not maybe really tangible. But if you think about a lot of the progress that you can make in your business in the next three months, for example, some really simple things that you could do you could have that awkward conversation with clients who have been on your old price for way too long. You need to bring their prices up. You could increase your, your, your current prices for new clients. You could put out that call to action post that you're reluctant to put out because you think that people, other personal trainers or coaches are going to judge you. But all of those things stem back to kind of getting out of your own way. You know, quite often we just stand in our own way with these things. We're reluctant to do it because we're scared. We've got this fear of judgment, fear of whatever. So get out of your own way would be the biggest piece of advice that I can give um, for, for anyone listening today. What do you think of those posts, Ollie, that I'm looking for five guys, this, this and this? Because you see them over and over again, don't you? Yeah. They, look, it's funny because what you have to remember is, is that we're in an echo chamber. You know, we're coaches. We follow other coaches. We're interested in coaching. We're interested in the industry. You follow 101 other coaches. And so you see them all the time. So in your echo chamber, it's really, really common. Think about from your client's perspective, your clients aren't coaches. They don't follow not even half the amount of coaches, they don't even follow a tenth of the coaches that you follow. So they aren't seeing what you see. They're seeing happy dogs. They're seeing all of these stupid little videos and they're seeing a couple bits of your coaching content and maybe a few other coaches. 
So although you have this fear, oh, everyone's doing this, everyone's, you know, I don't want to be the same as everyone else, it's cringe or whatever, your clients probably aren't having that same reaction. So do they have a place? They absolutely do. They work. Um, they do work. I've had success with them before. Yeah, they do work. You can do them in your own way as well. They don't have to be the same as every other Tom, Dick and Harry. You can have the same underlying principle, but they do work. And don't worry about posting that style of content because you feel like everyone else is doing it. Your potential clients don't know that. There was something that you said to us at the very start when we first started working with Ollie that like, I keep in my mind all the time is give, 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 take. It's yes. not constantly calls to action. It's like yep. giving value and then appropriately calls to yes, action. Absolutely. The more valuable posts you can put out, the more regularly you can ask people to inquire with you because it makes sense as a ratio. I think structuring that is like one of the most important yeah. things and what I've really implemented and it's worked a lot just because if you're constantly asking all the time, it looks ridiculous, doesn't it? You're not going to get any interaction with you. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And then, the, and then the opposite of that as well, James, dude, is, is that if you're somebody who just gives value all the time and you're never asking your audience to take an action, well, then again, you're going to be the best kept secret because Honestly, it's so bizarre, yeah, but people almost need to be told what to do. Drop me a message and inquire about coaching. Fill in my application form, whatever it might be. You need to be doing that regularly. So there's a balance to be struck. But yeah, you're absolutely right. If you don't ask, you don't get. But um, I think a lot of the time people, like not not coaches, but like the kind of people that we are marketing to, they they don't think they think that you're you're full all the time sort of thing because the amount of times i get messages like have you any spaces for this like fair enough pt is a different story um but online you know your capacity is pretty large but when i see yeah. online coaches saying they're full i'm like mm. no you're not no. <laughs> but, Nobody's um, full. you're only you're only like, as full as your as your systems allow so everyone could take on more clients if they're honest with themselves so yeah yeah but i think you know i think it's important to put out there that you are looking for clients because mm. if you don't say that people don't know that Absolutely, absolutely. It's just a reminder to, to people that you're you're actively taking clients on. You know, you don't have to make it this big. They're, honestly, the amount <laughs> of coaches, yeah, the amount of coaches that I speak to that are like literally so worried about putting those style of posts out because that the the again it comes back to worrying about what other coaches might think. It's honestly holding you back from massive, massive potential for inquiries if you've got a decent following. I, I actually posted recently, and this was James's idea, into um, like you know local pages, buy and sell pages, you know things like that. And I just posted for the sake of like you know I just like to keep myself out there, and you know I'd rather have too many inquiries than not enough. And my mum's like, "Oh, are you quiet at the minute?" I'm like, "No, I'm just marketing myself." That's a fear a lot of the time, isn't it? People yeah. think you're not doing anything. Yeah, there's, there's, that's another that's another reason that people don't put it out is they don't want people to think they're not busy. So like, it's so funny when you actually like, if you put that out, if you put that on paper, I'm not going to post this post because I don't because I need clients, but I'm not going to post it because I don't want people to think I'm not busy. So you'd rather stay not busy than do a post so people think you're not busy. Come on, man! Like it's ridiculous, you know. You, yeah, get out your own way again. It's that thing, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. So we'll not take up any more of your time, Ollie. Thanks a lot for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate it. Can you let people know where they can find you if they're interested in learning more about the business side of things with coaching? Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, easiest place is either Instagram. It's Ollie O W L I E Carson C A R S O N, and then two underscores. Or you can just look at our website. It's superchargedfitpro.co.uk um, and all the information on mentorship is on there. Awesome.